0: Would you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13 this morning as we continue in our study through this particular book. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Listen to this. For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let's pray. Father, the passage that we are looking at today is so familiar. I pray that that wouldn't get in the way of what you want to say to us. But I pray that we would hear it, to understand the power of your word, its power to change lives, and that you would do your work in us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well today, as you can see, we are indeed looking at two verses that are very familiar to all of us. And they are so good that sometimes when we come to a passage like this, you know, we we kind of focus on those words and we miss the context. It's like with John 3.16. We hear that all the time, and then we kind of don't, we don't always think about the context in which that is given. But context is important. And what we've seen as we've been working our way through Hebrews is that the writer of Hebrews is urging his readers to hear the voice of God. He wants them to respond to it to hear what God has to say to them, and then respond to that word. That's why he's quoted this uh, scripture from the Psalms over and over again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. So where do we hear the voice of God most clearly? Well, it is here in his holy word, the Bible, that we hear God speak. And that's not saying that God can't speak to us through the promptings of his Holy Spirit. He does. And God is speaking. Uh, He speaks through visions and dreams. We've heard those reports around the world of how God is stirring people's hearts. But what he does in all of those occasions is he always brings people to the word. His written words so that we might understand the gospel with clarity and understand his will for our life. Now it is clear that the author writing the book of Hebrews has a high view of scripture. Whenever he quotes the Old Testament, you know, when he quotes Psalm 95, he says, As the Holy Spirit says, what scripture says is what God says. When he quotes from Genesis 2, it's God has said. And even when he comes back to Psalm 95 and chapter 4 and he talks about how David was the author, he states it in this way, that God was speaking through David the prophet. God was the one who was at work giving us his holy word. And that fits with our understanding of the nature of Scripture and what it says in other places. For example, in 2 Peter 1, Verses 20 and 21, the Scripture says that above all you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here is this doctrine of inspiration, that it was the Holy Spirit who was working through men, directing them so that what they wrote was exactly what God wanted us to know. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says the same thing. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed that is spoken by Him, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, so that the people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He is testifying to the value of studying Scripture to know it, hear it, apply it in our life. Because to hear the Word is to hear God Himself. To reject the Word is to reject God. That's why it's so important that we hear and understand what God has said and apply it to our life. And that's why the study of this book needs to be a lifelong habit for the Christian. Well, in these two verses, we're going to look at four things that he says about God's Word. Number one, God's Word is living. It is powerful and it is dynamic. It is a living Word because God is a living God. His Word speaks to us today just like it spoke to the people when it was written. That's It's so amazing when you look at these verses that are even being Quoted, He takes an incident that happened to the Israelites wandering in the wilderness and their disobedience. And David picks up on it and he'll say, Today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, respond to that word. And then the writer of Hebrews a thousand years later will take that same passage and say, Today if you hear his voice. And then this morning, two thousand years later, we're talking about the same text. And God is still speaking. And he is saying to his people, and to all who hear the word, today, if you hear his voice, respond to that message in faith and obedience. That's powerful. And it is a word that we need to hear. This word describes the human condition better than any other book. And it shows us the remedy for our sin in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, if you want to understand what's going on in the world today, you want to understand what's going on, whether it's in our country or the Middle East or the sinfulness of our world or the crimes or the evil that we see, all you need to do is come to the Scriptures and you will see the heart of man revealed. And you'll see the problems and tensions that there are and you will find that the solution is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. This book is active and it is powerful. By his word, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and it came into being out of nothing. I've been reading an interesting book called Who Made God? And it is a challenge to those who are critics like Stephen Hawking and others who will say, you know, uh, the fact that we we don't know where God came from uh, proves that he doesn't exist. You know, And they'll kind of throw out these challenges like who made him or who created God. And this particular Christian author writing this book is talking about the world as we see it and how clearly things that we observe in science and nature fit with the biblical record. And in fact, the best evidence points to the fact that this present universe was created out of nothing. Now, if you don't like that, If you are a materialist and you do not believe in anything supernatural, you've got to find another explanation. And so the one that they are coming up with is an infinite number of universes that we just don't know about. It's interesting. Rather than take what is clear in the evidence, they want to find something else that will deny the existence of God. By his word, he sustains it all. He gives life and breath to every creature. By His Word, He gives sight to the blind and He gives life to the dead. We see that in Jesus' ministry. And by that very Word, we are born again. When we hear the Scripture, we hear the Gospel, and we respond to that in faith, we are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. His Word has power to change lives and to shape the course of nations. Steve Bartkowski was an NFL quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, and he said, for years the Bible was a dead book to me, like grits without salt. You can tell he's from the South. And he said, but after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, it became alive, and I saw that the Bible was God's way of talking to me. E.V. Rue was a famous uh, author and scholar who wrote many of the um, Penguin Classics in that series of literature. And he was once asked to do a work on the Gospels. And he took it on as a scholarly project. Here he would dig into the Gospels and come up with what he thought would be a good translation for the Penguin Classics. And to his surprise, that work changed him. J.B. Phillips, some of you know the Phillips translation of the New Testament. He interviewed. Rue on uh, BBC radio, and here's what Rue said about that work. He said, you know, I received this project uh, with great desire. I wanted to satisfy myself as to the authenticity and the spiritual content of the Gospels. And as he dug into them, he said, I got the deepest feeling that I possibly could have expected. It changed me. My work changed me. And I came to the conclusion that these words bear the seal of the Son of Man and of God. They are the Magna Carta of the human spirit. Through his word, God speaks to us every single day. God's word is convicting. The writer here describes it as sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit. In other words, it goes where no other sword can go. I mean, where is the division of soul and spirit? It gets to the very core of our being. It deals with our heart, our motives, our thoughts, and our attitudes. It is a two-edged sword. There is no blunt edge to it. It cuts both ways. Now, some of the older commentators thought that maybe this was a reference to the Old Testament and the New Testament. But it seems better to think of the sword as one that does its work both ways. It brings both life and death. It can bring healing or it brings judgment. Let me give you an example of that. When Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost and he talked about Jesus Christ, in his fulfillment of Scriptures, he came to that conclusion and he said to those gathered there that day that you crucified the Lord of life. You put to death the Messiah, the one that God had sent to be our Savior. And the people heard that and they were convicted. They were cut to the heart, the Scripture says. And they turned to Peter and the other apostles and they said, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. And about 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. But, in Acts chapter 7, there's a story about Stephen when he was brought before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, for preaching and speaking in the name of Jesus. And he testified there powerfully again that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Scriptures and He is the one that you crucified. And in that setting, they too were cut to the heart but they were furious at Stephen and they dragged him out and they stoned him. And It is such a descriptive passage that talks about how they didn't want to hear what he said and so they covered their ears and they yelled at the top of their lungs because they didn't want to hear him and they brought him out and they stoned him to death. All were cut to the heart. God's Word did its work of conviction. But in those two stories... Some responded in faith and believed and turned from their sin. And others hardened their heart and rejected the witness of the gospel. God's word is convicting. It still does that work today. In an interview, Ian McKellen, you know him as Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, he freely admitted that Whenever he stays in a motel or hotel, he always looks to see if there is a Gideon Bible there. And if there is one, he tears out the passage in Leviticus 18.22 because he doesn't like what it says about homosexual action. And he tears it out because he is convicted by that word. And he said, in my years, I have probably desecrated hundreds of Bibles. The Word is doing its work. If it had no effect, it wouldn't even bother him. He wouldn't even be thinking about it. But every time he is confronted by that Word, he wants to tear it out. And that, that's what many people want to do. They just don't want to hear the message of the Word. They want to cover their ears or shout at the top of their lungs and deny the truth. But God's Word stands. God's Word is revealing. We see that here too that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It acts like an umpire. It makes the call on whether our thoughts and actions are fair or foul, whether it is inbounds or out of bounds, whether it is pleasing to the Lord, or whether it is sin. And the Word of God sharpens our conscience as we hear it, and we need that. Because our conscience can become dull. It can be calloused. It can be hardened by the world in which we live. And if we start running with the world and its value systems, our heart will become hard. And our ears will become dull. And we will no longer hear that Word in the same way. But when we come to the Word with an openness, God's Word again sharpens our conscience Shows us how we are to live. Helps us to make wise decisions. It gives us counsel, wisdom, correction. It gives us everything that we need. The Psalms and Proverbs repeatedly talk about the value of wisdom and the importance of making it a habit to meditate on the Word of God. To hear it, read it, study it, pray over it, meditate on it, memorize it, hide it in our heart, because all of that has value. Take a look at this passage in Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. The psalmist tells us that the law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy. You can count on them. They make wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant. They give light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, it endures forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Go on to the next. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold, as he speaks of their value. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. And by them your servant is worn, and keeping them there is great reward. Here's the psalmist meditating on the Word of God and its value. It's importance. When we choose to live our life based on the truth of God's Word, He changes us. We grow in our relationship with Him. We gain wisdom for the things that are going on in our life. He also tells us here in this passage in Hebrews that God's Word is like a spotlight. That there is nothing in all creation that is hidden from God's sight. There is no place where God's light cannot shine. There are no secrets. You know, in the sketch, Ebenezer Scrooge doesn't want people to know the way that he is living. But here, his life is being watched and reviewed, and one day he will give an account for it. And in that wonderful story, we have this opportunity for Scrooge to change, to repent. But again, it's like the psalmist says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, but turn and respond to that message. Author and theologian R.C. Sproul told this story about his conversion. He said, when I was a young man, I went to a church-related college, but I actually went on a football scholarship, not because of any interest in the church. He was not a believer, but here was a way to get his college paid for, so he decided to go to this particular school. At the end of his first week, which was spent in freshman orientation, my roommate and I decided to hit some of the bars across the border. You know, he was focused on drinking, having a good time, you know, and he said, when we got to the parking lot, I realized, though, that I was out of cigarettes, so He went back into the dorm to the cigarette machine, which surprises me that at that time there were actually cigarette machines in dorms. Uh, And he said, I got my luckies, and I turned around, and there I saw the captain of the football team sitting at a table. And he motioned us over, and he spoke to me and my roommate, and he wanted to chat with us. And we sat down and listened. You do that when the captain of the team calls you over but what he talked about was surprising to him he said this was the first person i ever met in my life that talked about christ as a reality he had never heard someone talk so personally about jesus christ and the relationship that he had with him he didn't give a traditional evangelism talk to me he just kept talking about the wisdom of the word of god And he quoted Ecclesiastes 11.3 that says, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Sproul said, I feel certain that I'm the only person in church history that has been converted by that verse. (laughs) He said it, it cut to his heart. He said, God took that verse and he struck my soul with that and I saw myself as a log that was rotting in the woods and I was going nowhere. And after that conversation, when I left that guy's table, I went up to my room and in my room by myself in the dark, I got down on my knees and I cried out to God to forgive me. Powerful. God's word is powerful. What did he hear that day? He heard a young man who was talking about Jesus Christ like he was his friend. He was Lord and God, and he gave testimony to that. He heard wisdom, wisdom from the Scriptures. It can come from unlikely sources or books that we may read, but as we saw earlier, all of Scripture is God's Word. It is all instructive or helpful for us, and that's why at a certain moment or time, God can take that word and drive it home like a sword, a two-edged sword into our heart. I felt that cut, and I'm sure you have too. And I felt that cut when it converted me and reminded me of my sin and my need for a Savior. That's what the Word of God does. And that's why we need to use that in evangelism. That's why we need to use it in our testimony. Because it's not what you and I say that ultimately persuades people or changes hearts. It's the Word of God. It's what God says that cuts through all of the smoke screens and all of the defenses and convicts us of our sin. And fourthly, God's Word is binding it holds us accountable it is the final authority he tells us that everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account those words are so descriptive everything is uncovered and it is laid bare before the eyes of whom or before the eyes of him to whom we must give account just think about these two words in that the word uncovered is the word naked. Everything is exposed. And to think about that one day standing before the Lord without any secrets, nothing hidden, that is unsettling for those who have something to hide. How much better it is to confess our sins now and have them covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and dealt with before we get to that day How much better it is to know that we are in Christ and everything has been taken care of than to stand before him on that day and have everything revealed. In the book, Till We Have Faces, C.S. Lewis just dramatically pictures this when the character in that story, a woman named Orwal, is standing before the gods in that story as it is told. She is there and she wants to defend herself and she's angry about her life and all of the injustices that she experienced and how the gods were not favorable to her. And she is just, you know, she's got her case and she has rehearsed this through her life. And these are all the the bitterness, all the hurts, all the injustices. And when that day comes when she stands before God, as Lewis pictures it there, what she reads instead is the indictment of her own selfishness, her own selfish love, her own sin. And there's nothing to hide. That's what the Scripture is saying. That one day everyone will stand before God to give an account for their lives. No secrets, nothing hidden, all revealed. You know that that word is also comforting to know that justice will be done. There'll be no unsolved crimes. There'll be no unsolved murders. You know, I I even think about that with a case like Jacob Wetterling, that God knows, and there will be justice done in that day. And I think about all of those situations going on around the world. Everything is uncovered. And the word laid bare, that's another just descriptive word. It's actually a wrestling term. And it was used in Greek wrestling to describe a hold that involved gripping the neck in such a way that it always brought victory. It was a submission hold. <laughs> in a humorous way when I think about that. Do you remember Andre the Giant, the old uh, pro wrestler? He was known for his sleeper hold that he would put on others that always brought victory. The irony is that in that is that if you've ever seen the Princess Bride movie, when uh, Wesley jumps on the back of Andre the Giant, he is giving him the sleeper hold which is just, you know, kind of a humorous situation to show there. The point is this, that in that day, not only is everything open and exposed, but there'll be no escape. You don't want to get into a wrestling match with God. I mean, he'll, he'll have us in a submission hold if that's what we want. If we're going to fight against Him all our life and we're going to rail against what He has said and deny the truth of His Word, the day is going to come when all will stand before Him and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The best thing we can do today with our sin is to confess it to God and deal with it now. And repent of our sin and turn to him for his forgiveness and grace and the best thing that we can do with our life is to surrender it to him as our lord and our god god's word is powerful it is living and through it he still speaks god's word is convicting it cuts to the heart god's word is revealing it shows us our sin God's Word is binding. It is the final authority. But God's Word is also purifying. It is life. That when we choose to live according to that Word, He changes us and we are born again. But for the Word to do its work in our life, we need to know it. It needs to be the pattern and habit of our life to read it, to study it, to meditate on it, to memorize it, to build our life on that sure foundation. And that's why I want to encourage you in those areas, and you've heard me say this before, to make that your aim, to have a daily reading plan, to have a a time when you set aside to come before the Lord and to focus on His Word, to be part of a small group or ABF where you are studying the Word and talking about it with others. To build that into your life so that you can share the truth of God's Word and the Gospel and help others to know Him too. May that be the habit, the pattern of our life. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your powerful Word. I thank You for Your grace in giving it to us. I thank You for how that Word has done its work in my life and the lives of those who have come to know You here. And Father, I pray that if anyone is sitting here and unsure of their relationship with you, that today would be that day when they give their heart to you, confessing their sins, turning from it, and coming into a new relationship with your Son. In his name we pray, amen.